This morning we're going to read from three different portions. And uh, <clears throat> the first one's in Luke the 12th, uh, Luke the 24th chapter. Luke uh, chapter 24. And I just started verse 1 that says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, and this first day is the Sunday, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had made ready. And they found the stone rolled back from the tomb. But, but when they went inside, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed and wondering what to do about this, behold, two men in dazzling raiment suddenly stood beside them. I'm reading from the Amp, the Amplified. And as the woman were frightened and were, were bowing their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among those who are dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, <clears throat> that the Son of Man must be given over into the hands of sinful men, men who, whose way or nature is to act in opposition to God, and be crucified on the third day, rise from death. And they remembered his words, and having returned from the tomb, they reported all these things taken together to the eleven apostles and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who reported these things to the apostles. But these reports seem, seemed to the men as idle tales, they, madness, feigned things, nonsense. And they did not believe them. And nonsense happens when we look for life when we're at a place when we're dead, separated spiritually. Nothing makes sense outside of Christ. Nothing makes sense outside of him who in Colossians 3 and verse 4 is our life. Now here's verse 12. This is what we want to get to. But Peter got up and he ran to the tomb and stooping down, and looking in. And those are the words we want to focus on this morning. Stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes alone by themselves, and he went away wandering about and marveling at what had happened. <clears throat> now, that's Peter. Now we're going to turn to John, the 20th chapter, John chapter 20, and we'll see here, John chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, and, and it's going to bring out the same thing here, but in its fullness. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been removed from, lifted out of the groove across the entrance of the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other, other disciple who Jesus tenderly loved, that's John, and the Holy Spirit is using him to speak about himself. He always referred to himself as he who was tenderly and intimately and compassionately loved by Christ. And that's what God has in Christ for each of us. And so, to the other disciple, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they laid him. She was looking for a dead Christ. That's what she was looking for. Upon this, Peter and the other disciple came out and they went toward the tomb and they came running together. But the other disciple, John, 
the beloved, outran Peter and arrived at the tomb first. Here is verse 5. And stooping down, stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not enter. He did not have to enter. Why? Because Christ has risen from the dead. He didn't have to enter into a place of death. He knew, in, in that sense, in, in not a not a sense that we not even in his greatest sense that we we have it, that Christ had risen from the dead. So when we looked at those two two men and we saw those two men, remember again in Luke twenty four and verse twelve it said Peter, stooping down he saw. Notice that stooping down he saw, and then John again. In John 20, verse 5, which we just read, it said, he, went, he, he looked in and stooping down, he saw. Stooping down, he saw. Now, this is James, the first chapter. This is James, the first chapter. In verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining of whom, and this is Christ, there can be no variation, rising or setting, stays the same, or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse, meaning he never changes. He never changes. God never changes who he is in his son towards us. He never does. And thank God for that. Verse 18, and it was of his own free will, the father, that he gave us birth through his son, his word of truth, which is his son, so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his, his creation, and out of that creation would come brand new creatures in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. A sample, a taste of what he created to be consecrated to himself. Verse 19, understand this, my beloved. Notice this. We're to have understand it as those that are in the beloved in Ephesians 1, 6. So here we are in James 1, 19. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener. A ready listener. Slow to speak. Notice that? Slow to speak. Slow to take offense and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires, because he's given us that righteousness that Christ is in us in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. So rid, so get rid of all uncleanness in the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your heart, your minds and in your emotions, contains the power to constantly deliver you from living in your soul your own, and seeing things in your own self-consciousness, in your own thoughts, apart from God in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. But separated from that, be doers of the word. Notice that, be doers of the word, which is Christ. Obey the message that declares his person and the work that he's accomplished, and not merely listeners to it. Don't just come to listen. Come to actually submit, humble yourselves, and in this sense, stoop down and peer into Christ in you. 
and not merely listeners to it, betraying your own selves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth that Christ is you is in you as a vessel. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of these strongholds, these areas of resistance with the flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9, that we're not of. Casting down imaginations, reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in your proper image who's in you. And be more ready to revenge all that disobedience in the flesh according to your obedience in who Christ is in you and who he's made you to be in him. That's what a doer is. And the doer here goes with Philippians 2, 12 and 13. And we had this we had this recently in James 2, 17, 20, and 26. Faith without works is dead being alone. Well, faith that works is the working of Christ through that dependence. You can't have one without the other. And that's what Paul spoke about it from a faith point of view. And James spoke about it from a works point of view, and both of them have to do, as we read, read here in 122 of James of Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. You and Christ in you is a vessel. Work out your own salvation, your continual deliverance. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will, necessary for our will to be submitted, then to do of his good pleasure. That allows the work that Christ has finished about us to be worked into us. And that explains the doing. The doing of the word simply means obeying it. Our doing is receiving and obeying what Christ has finished in John 19 and verse 30 to keep ourselves from being deceived. Because if I'm not humble, I don't have the grace to make the adjustment. And if I'm not humble, it's not that I'm going to be deceived, it's that I'm already deceived. And when I'm deceived, I constantly live in a place of denial. I don't need the things of Christ. I need something else in his place. And to do that, I have to get out of my proper place, experientially, which speaks of a full, complete image. And something else takes its place. When he's not my authority, something else comes in and rules and reigns over me as an authority, and I end up worshiping that thing and not him. Verse 23 of James 1. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and, and being a doer of it and not being, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself. Then he goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. That speaks of proper image. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into it, and perseveres always speaks of those trials that we have in Job 23 and verse 10, and 1 Peter 1 and verse 7. He perseveres through it all, perseveres in looking into it. And to look into it, I must look away in Hebrews 12, too, from all that would distract me and that would be the cause of an evil effect from keeping me looking into Christ in me 
in me and him with a proper image. And this all has to do with proper image. And Christ, who is the perfect image and the perfection of the image in each vessel, that starts with each vessel. It's between the individual man or woman in Christ with Christ in that individual. It's something that's very, very individual. And again, for all eternity, based upon Ephesians 3 and verse 19, his love that passes knowledge will be towards the individual and brought out that way in Revelations 2 and verse 17, the hidden manna in that white stone that we've talked about in the past and, and hopefully that God would, would allow us and lead us to uh, put it in print in a booklet, the white stone. And so, but he who carefully looks into the faultless law, the law of liberty. See, we can only be, fo we can't focus on the law of sin and death in Romans 8, 2, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, because one law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has positionally set me free from the law of sin and death. That's the perfect law of freedom and liberty that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is speaking to us in Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom's sake, Christ set you free. So be free in your own personal image and intimate fellowship with Christ. And then, of course, when we come together, we have fellowship with each individual. That's what we have. And so then we look into that perfect law of liberty and being faithful in dependence, in dependence to it, we, and through that faith, we begin to persevere even through the trial. We persevere. We don't settle down. We don't quit. We don't, we don't uh, look away from Christ. We continue to look. We continue to look into it. And this is what we want to get to in 125 of James. Persevering. Being not a heedless listener who forgets but an, but an active doer who obeys. He will be blessed in his doing, which is what? His life of what? Obedience. What is our life? It's a continuance of a life of what? Obedience. What allows me to function experientially in a proper image, in a proper place above who I am in Christ? It's called obedience. 1 John 5, 1 and 2. John 14, 21 and 23. Bring those truths out clearly in the scriptures. We see it very, very clearly here. And so really here in the King James, it says this in 125, and we'll see what, what the Holy Spirit was teaching us when it was brought out in Luke 24 and verse 12 and in John 20 and verse 5, when they stooped down and they could see. See, our proper view of who Christ is in us and who we are in him is one of humility. We must stoop down and then we can gaze in properly. We don't have a proper view. We don't have God's view of who he's made us to be in Christ positionally until we're humble in our experience. And when we stoop down and look, it's not a dead Christ in a tomb. Our life is one of obedience and it keeps death from entering into our experience. That's what it does in a beautiful way. And so both Peter and John, they stooped down and they looked in and they could gaze and see. They could see. And this is what it's saying here. So in, in the King James of James 1 verse 25, it says, but 
But, and the but is the separation of all those that forget who they are experientially. Do we see that this morning? When you begin to forget, when you begin to forget and be distracted and to forget what manner of man you are instead of but, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is Romans 8, 2 and 3, and continues there, and he not being a forgetful hearer. What does the enemy want us to do? He wants us to what? Forget. Forget who? Forget who we are in Christ. If I forget who I am in Christ, who have I forgotten? Christ. Then I forget God my Father. And then I forget what the Holy Spirit desires so deeply to teach and bring into my experience. So whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he not being a forgetful hearer. Really, it's he who looks. And here's the word look here. He that looks into is parakupto. It's that Greek, is that Greek word who looks, who gazes. And we are to continually, as we learn, to continue to gaze who Christ is in us to see who we are in him. In a completed image, a perfect image, an image of the love of God that's created us in Christ in the beloved of his son in Ephesians 1.6. So he that continues to gaze or looks in is this word in, in Luke 24 and verse 12, in John 20 and verse 5, and in James 1 and verse 25, that word is paracopto. Paracopto. And that word simply means to bend to bend. What does he got to do? He causes and he brings in conviction to bend our will away from ourselves, away from death, and away from anything to bend us, our will, to look into how God actually sees us in our position, and he makes our position to be an experiential reality. Do we see that clearly this morning? And how beautiful this truth is? And how, how really honestly important and intense that this truth truly is. And so we are to bend beside. And then it says to lean over. And that means faith. We lean away from self and we lean completely on him in dependence. It's got nothing to do with self. It's got nothing to do with the flesh that may be in us in Romans 8, 9, but that we're not of. So it means to peer, paracupto, to peer, to gaze within and see a proper image of truly who we are. And that image has everything to do with God's thought. And that's the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that is within us. It is Christ in us in Colossians 1, the hope of a glorious, perfected image in the midst of the very image of God himself through Christ for all eternity. See how important these things are? These things that we're hearing this morning are extremely important. I can't even tell you how important they are for all of us. And that's why Jesus said, I want them, I have given them the glory in John 17 and verse 22. He said, I have given them the glory which you gave me. And because I fit them to be where I am for all eternity, so that through the glory that I gave them in John 17 and verse 22, 
And why did he give us glory? Yes. Did he have to humble himself? He, God himself in humanity, did he humble himself? In Philippians 2, 7 and 8, most assuredly he did. He's teaching us these things, the principle of humility. So that he gave us this glory as we stoop down and humble ourselves and gaze into him who's in us as this treasure, which is a beautiful treasure. What do we see? He's fit us for all eternity with that glory that he gave us so that we can behold for all eternity in John 17 and verse 24, his glory. We wouldn't even have any. So it's the perfection of the image of God in him, in Hebrews 1.3, that has made us and given us this perfect, beautiful, glorious image. And this is an amazing truth this morning. So incredible. So very, 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 very incredible. And so when we peer in and see this, this word, parakupto, as we begin to close up this morning, is from the Greek word para, Para means from beside. Para means from beside, folks. That's what it means, para. And that's why God the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. He comes in beside us, and when we bend low and humble ourselves, he's able to take the things that, that are of Christ and make them ours in our own individuality. That's John 16, 13, and 14. That's what it is. It's John 16 and 14. And there's a reason for everything. Para, from beside, and it's a dative. Now, when you speak of the dative in the Koine Greek in the original language, it's the dative of advantage or disadvantage. There's a huge advantage when we humble ourselves and we allow the Holy Spirit to give us a proper gaze about who Christ is in us. There's a huge advantage of that. That's why listening and hearing the Word of God in concentration is so vitally important this morning, honestly. It's extremely important. The importance of this is beyond anything for us, in all honesty. And so para is from beside. And kupto means to bend forward. Notice that? If we don't humble ourselves experientially, do we continue to go forward in a proper image about who we are in Christ? And if we don't, what do we settle for? something else, and we settle down in the world and live just like the unsaved. And so we bend, So it means, kupto means to bend forward, to stoop down, humility. And it's from the base, from the base or the foundation of the Greek word, kuma, K-U-M-A. And it, here again, it means a bending. And this word is incredible in the original. This word is amazing, amazing word in the original because it's from the root kuma and it means a billowing, bursting, overflowing wave of God's love in your image. It's literally what it means. And we want to bring these out and we're going to bring them out on, on these following uh, mornings. We're going to bring it out very, very clearly. And that's the love that passes knowledge. In Ephesians 3.19, the love that passes knowledge means... If you're humble, he wants you to receive the love, his love that positioned you in Christ, and he wants you to grow in it in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. That's why you grow in grace. And who does he give grace to? Those that stoop low. Stoop low. And the stooping low has to do with the preparation long before we get here. It's the truth. Long before. We are so occupied with him 
even before we come to a place where he has designed for, for his son to flow and to teach us and give us counsel. It's been, we've been prepared way before that. Because this is the most important thing about us. Most, the single most important thing about us was receiving Christ as our Savior. The most important thing in continuous with that is coming to hear and listen and receive proper preaching and teaching. Because we can't function in that full salvation that's ours without it. Without it. And so we see clear here. And that's why, that's why all through the book of Hebrews, that's why all through that particular portion in the book of Hebrews has to do with those that were Jews, they received Christ and got into, were brought into, positionally brought into the church that Jesus Christ is. We see that crystal clear in the scriptures, how he was brought and how those Jews were left behind the dead law, ritualism, ceremony. They left all that behind and they got into Christ through receiving him as their savior by pure grace. And once they did, the enemy was using all others to come in and pull them away from that back into a dead system where they wouldn't experience Christ. That's Hebrew. They were born again. Again, we've taught this through the Holy Spirit as he teaches us. This unlocks all the, the things that are thought to be very, very difficult to understand in Hebrews the 6th chapter and also in Hebrews the 10th chapter. It explains them crystal clear. They were born again, but they were going back into the flesh under a system. And to go back from the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, being set free from what? The law of sin and death. See, all that the law brought out was the sin and death that was in those prior to their salvation. Prior, long before it. Long before that. But that's why the book of Hebrews, as we close this message this morning, the book of Hebrews, the theme in Hebrews is better. Christ. He is the best that God could give. God could not give any better. What, what more could a father do than to give his only son. It would be one thing to give himself, but what would even be further? The son that he so deeply loved. And that's what the Father, God the Father has done. He's given us Christ, the best, who's better. The key word in be better. I, I want to go into these, that word better, in all those places in the book of Hebrews. You see how much better he is. Listen, and as we close it this morning, God wants us to see through his counsel, through us bending low, stooping, and gazing into reality, the reality of his son in us that has nothing to do with this earth. Oh boy, I wish we could see that. Not a single thing. If God has us do anything, if God has us to be with anyone or to do anything, it's to reveal to them the better Christ that's in us so that they can have the best. That's the only reason for it. There could be no other reason for a, for a Christian functioning in a proper image. There could be nothing. And he's teaching us that everything of this world is nothing compared to the better that he is. 1 John 2.15, don't love the world. He's talking to believers. He's talking to babes. He's talking to young men. And he's talking to spiritual dads. In 1 John 2.12-14, he's making it crystal clear. <laughs> 
that for those in every growth period, we're to not love the world. And in the areas we are, stop loving the world. Okay, yes. And neither the things that are in the world. Neither the things that are in the world. God would have us go to a people to minister Christ to them when they're in the things of the world. That's the only reason for it. Be the only reason, wouldn't it? That's the abundant life. We've said it before. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10, 10a. But Christ said, I have come that they might have life. See, life. Now, do you want it more abundantly? Yeah, I'll use you for others. That's the abundant life. When you stop, and when I stop living for myself, making every thought to be about me, where I get so irritated, so suspicious, so overwhelmed, and so where, so where, that what? That I don't get irritated and angry. We just saw it here, right? In James uh, 1 and verse 19. We become, we, we, get, we get to the place of being slow to speak. And when we are, keeping our mouth shut if we don't have wisdom, until wisdom has its effect on us, through us humbling ourselves and him giving us grace, his gracious thoughts where there's no irritation, no suspicion, and no taking offense. We take an offense it's an issue that's not even about the, the one we think that we're offending. It's just about the self-life. Take offense and to get angry. To get angry. For man's anger doesn't promote anything about God. His right, his righteousness, his integrity. So as we wrap it up this morning, we're going to see that he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. We're going to see this Greek word in the following days to come. Eleutherius. That's the same one it's talking. What it's talking about in James 1, verse 25, is bringing out Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The self-life that's in the believer, that we're not of. It set me free. Same thing in Galatians 6, and verse 2. The same thing it brings out in James 2, 12. And in 1 Peter 2, and verse 16. Love not the world. Now, that's one thing for us not to love. Yes, but you know what else it says? Neither the things that are in the world. Neither the things. And they're the most subtle, deceptive things that can get us in a millisecond forgetting Christ in us. And then we forget ourselves in Him. And then we start treating each other in what? The flesh. And I'll tell you where all the irritation, the suspicion, the offense. Remember in Psalm 119, 165, great peace of they that love your word, your law, your word. Nothing will cause them to stumble. Not a thing will cause them to stumble. Not a thing will cause them to live in disobedience. Because we have what? We have great peace. And who is our peace? Ephesians 2 and verse 14. He is our peace. We see it. And we're going to see this in a beautiful way. So we'll close this. First John 2.15 Love not the world. Stop loving the world. And we know it, don't we? Don't we know those areas? Without condemnation, but with plenty of conviction. We can't say that he, he would tell us not to love the things of the world, and then we would not be convicted by it. It's just in James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and just doesn't not forget it. To him it's sin. Something about self. 
So where we go, who we want to be with, it's not even about them if it's not presenting them the better Christ in us. It's just something about ourselves. We want their perception to be of us, to be equal with how they would think we should be. And it's not proper image. It isn't. It is not. Thank God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not active in their experience. And these are the things that are in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That has to do with the self-life that's in us. And that's what we need to be separated from. The only way that can happen is if all of us in our own individuality and as we come together to hear the counsel that only comes from Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is if we stoop low, stoop low and look into and gaze into him. He changes our whole view. We need to have Christ as our view. That's what Hebrews 12 verse 2 is saying. That's precisely what it's saying. And so, Father, we thank you so much for the depth of your love, for giving us the best. God, you did not hold back your best, and it's Christ in us. And no matter where we go, Father, please, as I pray for my, myself and for others, but first for myself, for your glory to be revealed, to be revealed in me with the better best that Christ is, no matter who I come around, no matter what I do, may we be in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5, 1 through 6, your written epistle, listen, known and read of all men and women, that they might see the treasure in the vessel that Christ is in us. Father, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.